0: Welcome to the People of Pathology podcast. I'm Dennis Strank. On this podcast, we explore pathology, laboratory medicine, and forensic science. No matter how long you've been in pathology and laboratory medicine, you're going to find that there are always more things to learn. That's one of the things I love about the field. My guest today is Oli Brian Moliari. Oli Brian is a medical laboratory scientist in the Philippines and we're going to talk about his career path and how he was introduced to laboratory science. Then we'll talk about how he is constantly learning new things and how he uses that knowledge to help his students learn new things as well. Here's Oli Brian Maliari. So I wanted to, as we go along, kind of see working in the lab where it's the same and where it might be different between the two countries. So let's start with, I know you studied uh, medical technology in college and you know I've talked to a few people Many of them say that, you know, I didn't know about this career before I went to college and I discovered it by accident or something like that. So for you, what was your experience with discovering medical technology? How how did you discover the field?
1: Well, Dennis, it may sound a cliche, but uh, same story with me. Actually, me being a part of the medical laboratory science community, is quite an accident and a beautiful accident, if I may add. Uh, when I was in high school, I did not have any idea of what medical laboratory science was until I entered my first year college. Actually, the school that I went to, I originally enrolled to another course, and that was a political science because uh, back then I wanted to be a part of the uh, legal community, and uh, so the rest is history. And okay. um, at the last minute during the enrollment period, while well, I was queuing on the line for the political science uh, course, immediately my attention got caught by the medical laboratory science profession, uh, or a medical laboratory science line, and it was shorter. It was co- quite a shorter line compared to the med uh, to the political science. Uh, uh, enrollment line and so by accident I just so happened to make a last minute decision without even consulting my parents to shift all of a sudden to the medical laboratory science uh, course and so the rest is history. At first uh, it was a very difficult adjustment because in the first year it's uh, it's totally different compared to the training that we had in in high school and so I really had to adjust and to adapt to the community. Because, um, of course, in the field of medical laboratory science, in the first year alone, you're already introduced with different medical uh, concepts, with different uh, medical terminologies and the like. And so I had to adapt. I had to adjust. And um, eventually, after quite some time, uh, without even noticing it, I graduated and pass the licensure examination for medical laboratory science and here we are uh, conversing with one another fellow medical uh, laboratory professional
0: wow that's that's very kind of of all the people i've talked to that's kind of the most roundabout way to kind of get in there like was it difficult for you getting used to like you said the terminology and just the equipment and things like that like did you have any kind of background in that area
1: Actually, I did not have any background in that area. I started my laboratory career in college from scratch. I did not have any any idea, any on terminologies, particularly on medications, on drugs, on therapy, on on the parts of the body. I really did not have any idea. I was a blank canvas and a sponge back then in college, and so I had to absorb. All of those things in uh, one sitting, and it's why it's quite challenging. But I enjoyed the challenge. As a matter of fact, until now, I still continuously uh, enjoy the challenges that I often encounter in the
0: uh, field. Yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about some of those things. How you're mm-hmm. constantly sort of learning new mm-hmm. things and improving your skills. So you're in the in the program and you're starting out. Did you ever like question yourself? And you. Like worry that you maybe you'd made the wrong decision and you shouldn't have switched uh from political science
1: well, I think that's uh that's uh, quite common in our um profession in our field that uh sure along the way you stumble along the way you cry and you try to question your abilities not only as a student but as a human being but uh eventually uh you learn from those things and you 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 learn to adapt. You learn from your mistake. From there, you get to become a better student, a better professional, and uh, you get to move on. Because I always believe that we cannot always dwell in our past, in our bitter past, if I may add. Uh, But rather, it's a learning mistake. Everything is a learning mistake.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely true. Okay. Now, during the time where you were still in college, uh, you worked for the Philippine Red Cross. Now, I'm interested in this. First of all, how did you how did you get interested in you know volunteering for the Red Cross? how did How did that come about?
1: Yeah, this is actually a wonderful story, and I would consider uh, me being a part of the Philippine Red Cross as one of the highlights of my professional career because uh, not everyone is given an opportunity to work as a volunteer at the Philippine Red Cross. Well, uh, actually, me being a part of the Philippine Red Cross is also a mistake or an accident, rather. Sorry. It's a mistake. And I would also consider it as a beautiful mistake. Uh, Because when I was in college, uh, when I was in college, I only enrolled one subject in a semester semester there came a point that I only had to enroll one subject in one semester, and that is uh, scheduled only once a week. So I had four days to five days off uh, in a week. And I had nothing to do with uh, with uh, that uh, period of time. And so while I was going, I, while I was walking along along the streets of our town, I my attention got caught by the Philippine Red Cross and but but uh, by then I did not really have uh, any idea of what the Philippine Red Cross is all about. I am just familiar of the logo that it's a red cross and they are doing some charitable works, but I never imagined what uh, the Philippine Red Cross uh, is all about. What is uh, their operation all about? And so, um, when my attention got caught by the Philippine Red Cross, I entered inside the building out of curiosity, out of nowhere. Just uh, uh I just thought to think uh, to enter inside their building and started questioning. Okay, if uh, what they are doing, I eventually talked to their supervisor. Uh, Uh, The supervisor was there and was very friendly to assist me. So I introduced myself that I am a college uh, medical laboratory science student and that I had uh, a lot of free time or vacant time. And I asked them if uh, what they are doing and if maybe I can do some volunteering tasks because I know that uh, the Red Cross community is uh, known to be doing a lot of charitable works. And so she said, you can do a lot of things here in the Philippine Red Cross, but for now we are looking for volunteers. Since you are a medical uh, technology student, maybe you can uh, volunteer here in our blood bank. And But at that time, I was amazed that I was actually offered the position of a volunteer of a blood bank staff. And... um, because uh, back then i did not have any idea of what blood bank was although i've been uh, i've been learning a lot of blood banking things in our ca co- in back in my college years but i did mm-hmm. not have any idea of what blood bank was in real practice and so i grabbed immediately the opportunity the following day uh, i already actually i was very excited back then before i went home i already uh, bought some scrub suits, some laboratory gowns, so that the following day, I I started my volunteering position at the Philippine Red Cross. Back then, I did not even know how to perform a phlebotomy because, of course, as a college student, you you, you cannot say that you're an expert already in phlebotomy techniques. Uh, I learned all of those things there in the Philippine Red Cross, and I was exposed to different communities. I was exposed to different personalities. I was actively involved. As a matter of fact, I I was even awarded by the local government for my active participation in the Philippine Red Cross community, which is actually a portfolio that I've been keeping all by myself.
0: Okay. Wow. Okay. Did you have to do any traveling uh, as part of the Red Cross to, to different areas?
1: Yes, uh we needed to perform uh some medical missions in the uh, rural communities and and it was uh, just like what I said earlier. I was actually exposed to different communities and so my my social skills were actually developed. I was introduced to a lot of people in all walks of life, and uh-huh. uh, I get an opportunity to hear their stories, what they are doing in their community to help them in one way or another. Although, of course, I I also realized back then that, uh, of course, as a student, I really did not have any a lot of money to donate. So, what else can I donate aside from money? I I thought of why not donating my time since I have a. Uh, A lot of free time and maybe my talent. So, yeah, I use that as a foundation in my uh, laboratory career. And I've learned a lot from the Philippine Red Cross. Up to now, I'm still actively communicating with them. I visit them every once in a while. And uh, we still have a very good relationship with the Philippine Red Cross uh, here in our region.
0: Yeah, I can imagine just having that kind of experience, especially as a college student, that's really got to. uh change your perspective i think kind of widened you widen your sort of worldview i I think that's that probably was a really good thing
1: yeah yeah it uh widened my horizon and uh i back then my my knowledge of um the medical technology profession actually broadened and uh, i realized that the medical technologies is not only limited in the laboratory uh, the medical te- the technologists can be socially active as well in the community, and I think that also sparked my my dedication to be uh, socially involved in every issue that a medical technology can be involved into.
0: Yeah, absolutely, that's a very good point. Now, I'm, I'm, I want to get into how you got into teaching, because this was this was fairly early on in your career. W- was teaching something you always wanted to do? Or it was another thing that you just happened to come upon and you decided you would try it?
1: Well, actually, my, my teaching career as part of the academia was always, a, my classmates would agree that I've always been uh, wanting to be a part of the academia. Maybe I would consider it as uh, I got my inspiration from my college professors back in college because back then, uh, our college professors were re- were really uh, one of the top calibers in here in the Philippines as okay. part of the medical laboratory profession. And I've learned a lot from them, although they are, I would consider them to be uh, quite challenging during my college years. But uh, I learned a lot from them. And I think that actually sparked my interest in being also a part of the academe. Uh, I consider them as my role model. And uh, from them, I've also realized how a teacher can actually impact the life of their student. And also, that's uh, my, my principle every time I go to class. I am here as a teacher, and as a teacher, I get the opportunity not only to mold future professionals, but also I am here to act. As a dream builder, in helping them to develop in their career, because as a teacher, as a professor, you have two roles, or you you can be uh, being a professor is a two sided coin. You can either make their dream, or you can either break their dream. And I happen to choose the the first option, which is to help them make their dream come true, to become a part of the roster of uh, medical technologists here in our country. And so I am inspired by, yeah, I would consider that uh, my inspiration got uh, drawn from my college professors, which until now, I still communicate um, with them. As a matter of fact, one of my previous college professors hired me to be a part of the, because she transferred as a dean in a different university, and she hired me personally to be a part of of her community in her university, so I still get in touch along with my uh, former professors.
0: Yeah, that's another important point. I mean, it's a good idea to keep in touch with people that you've met and interacted with along the way. Uh, how about how about some of your former students? Do you do you keep in touch with them as well?
1: Yes, I do keep in touch with them. As a matter of fact, some of, or not some, but most of my co-workers now in my hospital, in my laboratory, were all my students. And so there's this sense of being proud that uh, there's a tap on my back that I did a good job because uh, every time I see my former students to be very active, to be um, they are very, very good in what they are doing in the field of medical technology. And so I I consider myself as a successful teacher based from my former students. And uh, not only that, some of my students are now taking up a clerkship in their medical career. Some of them are already overseas uh, performing. Some of them are also there in the United States working as a medical technologist. So I feel proud and accomplished as their former professor.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I, I think you should. That's that's really great. And it's got to feel good to, to know that you've had, you've kind of been a mentor to these people and you've influenced their, pretty much the rest of your, their lives, really. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's also good that as I, also as some of them are, Became my really good friends. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Now I wanted to ask you about your uh, experience with doing HIV testing because, from what I understand, I, I think I heard you say this uh, in a in a different podcast, maybe that it's a, it's specialized training. Like not every medical technologist is able to do this. So how how did you get involved in this area?
1: Well, uh, just like what I said earlier that uh, while well, I was in the Red Cross, I've learned I was exposed to different uh, fields of medical technology. And HIV is one of those uh, fields of interests that also caught my attention. I did not uh, knew. Uh, When I was in college, I did not know that there was a specialized uh, field of HIV for medical technologists. I only learned that thing when I was in the Philippine Red Cross, when I was looking at my staff, they were performing HIV testing and uh, when they were uh, screening blood products. And so I, I asked them how to become one. And so they they taught me, they guided me on how to become one. And immediately, right after college, I uh, enrolled myself in a postgraduate training in order to conduct HIV testing. Because here, correct? Then is here in the Philippines. Uh, HIV testing is only and should only be performed by an HIV proficient. We call ourselves here in the Philippines HIV proficient medical technologists, meaning we are licensed by the Department of Health to conduct HIV testing and HIV counseling. Not everyone is uh, can perform uh, those tests and those uh, counselings
0: here in the Philippines. Okay, so that's, that's like a government program then?
1: Yes, it's a government program. Uh, we have a law that uh, stipulates that provision or that, okay. uh, yeah, that profession rather.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, I see. That's interesting. All right. Yeah. You you also have have training in virology, which I think is more more recent for you. Did that kind of did the HIV proficiency training did that sort of lead into virology?
1: Actually, that's part of it, and also because uh, when I was in teaching, while well, I was uh, teaching back in my academic years, my interest got caught in the field of microbiology. Particular bacteriology, virology, and biology, and so I okay. was eager to know more on those fields. I was eager, very eager, and very interested to know more on those things. And uh, luckily, the government, the Department of Health here in in our country, uh, opened a new program for medical technologists. It's a very it's a new program. Who knew that it would be a preparatory for the co- current pandemic? But uh, this right. happened before. Yeah, this happened before the pandemic. And uh, it's a new program. As a matter of fact, I was one of their first uh, batch of students. And I would consider that as a very fortunate um, event also in my life. So, yeah, I was uh, taught. Uh, I was thought. On how to properly identify, how to culture viruses. Uh, I've I've learned a lot how to perform PCR testing before it was uh, a current trend. So again, mm, uh, who okay. knew that uh, all of those things were in preparation for the upcoming pandemic?
0: Seems like you were a, a little bit ahead of the ahead of the times in, in that respect.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I I learned a lot from those trainings, and uh, I, I because me Dennis as a laboratory professional, I always consider our profession to be very dynamic in terms of uh, knowledge. Every time there's a new technology, every time there are new discoveries. Especially now in the current pandemic, there's a lot of literatures popping up. It's just about It's just a matter of uh, catching up all of those uh, pieces of information. It's quite a dynamic uh, course. And that's the beauty of our profession is that we do not remain stagnant, but we are dynamic. We get get the chance to explore a lot of opportunities. We are very flexible and we are very adaptive, uh, especially on the current trends in our profession.
0: This is the People of Pathology Podcast with our guest, Oli Brian Maliari. We'll be right back. LabVine is designed to integrate into the daily routine of any laboratory stakeholder and support you and your team holistically. Here are some of the features of LabVine. You can complete a skills assessment to identify your gaps and needs and be directed to resources to build those much needed competencies. You can head over to Vinestream and listen to podcasts and webinars, including this podcast. If you have problems and need mentorship in your lab, but lack the in-house expertise, you can head over to the Conflab and connect with an expert that has the solution for you. And when you have a few extra minutes, check out Vine News to stay informed on the latest international trends in lab medicine. You can follow the link in the show notes to head over to LabVine and check out these features and more. Dress Med has been designing and manufacturing high quality scrubs since 1980. The prices are affordable, the shipping is very fast, and the scrubs have lots of pockets, which I really like. I actually have several sets of these myself. So check out Dress Med by using the link in the show notes. You can sign up for their loyalty program for free and earn special offers and discounts. And now back to Oli Brian Maliari on the People of Pathology podcast. All right, you mentioned the, the pandemic a couple of times, and so I'm curious about being in in a teacher, an educator during the pandemic. And now here here in the U.S., you know, a lot of the schools, all of the schools really closed down, at least for a while. Uh, teaching got turned into, you know, virtual with, with Zoom and things like that. Did you have the same sort of experience in the Philippines? Did you have to adapt to closing of schools and, and figure out different ways to do it?
1: Yes, actually, it's quite challenging, I would say, as an as an academe. Uh, during the first lockdown, it was uh It was very difficult. We needed to adjust immediately. In just a matter of a snap of a finger, we need to adjust everything. Because uh, here in the Philippines, I don't know, uh, in your country, but here in the Philippines, the um, lockdown was only announced, if I'm not mistaken, around a week. And we, of course, we did not know that uh, it will uh, it will last for a year we were only expecting it for around a couple of days because back then the announcement was that schools and other public places will be uh, closed for one week just a, a period of one week and uh, okay. so we we were uh, we were treating it as is as if it's it was just a simple vacation and then the one week eventually turned into a month then a month Turned into a couple of months, then into a year. And uh, we needed to adjust, particularly in the laboratory subjects, because here in the Philippines, um, our subjects are divided into two. We have the lecture classes and we have the laboratory classes. For the lecture classes, there is no problem. You can always conduct class uh, online, wherever you are, you can always conduct a lecture class. But for the laboratory, that is where the challenge was uh, a bit more Uh, because in the laboratory, you need to explain the skill, you need to inculcate the skill. And that is very difficult when the medium is online. How can you introduce phlebotomy by merely watching a YouTube video? How do you know how a precipitation or agglutination reaction works by simply watching a short clip presentation without you actually immersing yourself in the field. So that was very challenging. As a teacher, we were also challenged. Our creativity came out on how do we make the students inculcate the skill needed by a medical technology professional in an online format. And that was very difficult. We needed to to overtime recording our our presentation we need to be very creative what are the appropriate modes and uh, not all students actually have good access here in the Philippines of good internet connection some of them or some of them have a dif- difficulty in terms of connecting their internet and uh, internet here in the Philippines is quite uh, expensive So, yeah, it was also challenging on how to cater uh, those types of uh, students. We needed to publish uh, immediately uh, on point uh, some modules uh, because some modules will be uh, sent on the respective residences of students that do not have internet connection while others um, uh, are enjoying the online module. So it's quite a challenging time but uh, fortunately now we are uh currently in a limited face to face um situation in my hospital we are already catering interns and uh yeah uh i can see from the eyes of our students that they are very excited of course after a, a year of uh, being in total lockdown now they are now in the in the hospital they are currently working as an intern and Uh, they get the chance to experience all of those uh, things. And, uh, of course, being their supervisors in the hospital, I find it also quite challenging on my part because, of course, I need to teach them. We need to teach them all of those things because those things were not uh, incorporated during the online classes. And uh, it's also quite challenging. But, again, just like what I keep on... Uh, emphasizing on my students. I keep on emphasizing that uh, we need to coexist with the virus and uh, we need to move on, move forward and uh, open, embrace our uh, new normal setup.
0: What can you tell me about the kind of the, the visibility of lab professionals in the Philippines. Now, now, here again, I'm going to compare with the U.S. So okay. here, you know, everybody says nobody knows who we are, even after a year plus of a pandemic, you know, talking about lab testing and all this stuff, and nobody knows who the lab professionals are, the people that actually do the testing. Do you have that same kind of situation in the Philippines that that nobody knows who lab professionals are?
1: Well, uh, here, I think we share the same sentiment in your country and here. Aside from that, uh, aside from the lack of visibility, there is also the lack of appreciation in terms of understanding that medical technology, medical laboratory science is actually a profession in itself a lot of uh, my fellow countrymen believe that medical technology is just a stepping stone towards medical school. Because here in the Philippines, that's the current trend. If you are a medical technology student, then they are assuming that after how many years, you will join the medical profession, the medical practice profession. And so uh, that's one of the problems, like the, vis- uh, the lack of appreciation of, in terms of understanding that the medical laboratory profession is also a profession on its own. It's a de- independent profession and can act on its own. So mm-hmm. that's our, those are the things that we need to work up in the field of medical laboratory
0: science. Uh, I think uh, you know we're going to talk about a little bit later on a couple of the ways that you're actually doing that uh, yourself. One other thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, as far as the lab, you're a uh, National Health Laboratory Network Assessor, I, I think I've got the title correct, which when I was reading this about you, that sounds similar to, I don't know if you're familiar with the with the College of American Pathologists here, the, the CAP, and they have CAP inspections uh, throughout most labs here in the U.S. Does that? Are you, are you familiar with that system here?
1: Yeah, I am familiar with uh, that system in your country. And that is the, the system or the program that we are also trying to introduce here in our country. Though uh, our institution, the National Health Laboratory Network uh, uh, program of the Department of Health is quite noble. Uh, I think we've only been around for a couple of years. The main goal of our institution is to unify all laboratories, okay, to unify in terms of uh, uh, having a unified standard, establishing a unified uh, standard, and uh, ensuring that all of these standards are carried out uh, all throughout the country. So those are the things that we are trying to work up as a program, okay? So, So that, for example, when a person... Uh, wanted to perform uh, CBC, for example, complete blood count in one laboratory, when he or she moves to a different part of the country, only, uh, the only thing that uh, he or she needs to present is the same uh, complete blood count. There is no need to repeat uh, the CBC because uh, the, we all have the same format. We all have the same standard, the same quality of a complete blood count all throughout the country. That is our main goal, to unify all laboratories in the Philippines so that we will come up with a single standard, with a single quality, regardless of the type of uh, laboratory institution that you are working.
0: So then during the kind of height of the pandemic, when things were getting shut down, did all of this Mm -hmm. kind of did all this kind of thing kind of stop or was like paused for a little while?
1: Yeah. The the inspections were actually paused because of course, uh, face-to-face interaction was very limited and the majority of the funds and majority of their concentration was of course uh, in catering or addressing the problem of the pandemic. And that's uh, quite challenging. Right. But uh uh, uh fortunately, we will start uh, visiting laboratories in different communities in our region uh, this year. We, we have already a list of uh, uh, laboratories that we will be visiting. Yeah. So, okay. again, uh, it's also a good thing that we are trying to accept the new normal. And uh, we are currently moving forward. So, yeah, I hope uh, things will continue.
0: Now, I wanted to ask you about a couple of the your certifications so you've got you you have a certification with the philippine professional regulation commission is this kind of the standard medical technology certification in your country
1: yeah uh it's a standard uh certification license actually it's a license here in the yeah uh, it's a license uh, in order for you to practice uh, the medical technology profession if you do not have a license to perform uh, the medical technology uh, profession, you are termed as a medical technician. So you work under the supervision of a medical technologist. So,
0: oh, I yeah. see. You've also got two uh, U.S. certifications as well, and I'm curious about why you went after these. So one of them is the ASCP International certification. And what was like? What was your uh, purpose in earning that one?
1: Yeah, uh, well, I I took uh, my ASCPI certification back when I was still a fresh graduate and a fresh passer of uh, uh, the licensure examination here in the Philippines. So that was around 2014, if uh, my memory serves me right. I took that certification in order to qualify myself to be globally competitive because I always believe that if you want... Uh, To do something, you need to qualify yourself, okay? Okay. And I wanted to to be globally competitive. And when I say globally competitive, it means I wanted to be globally recognized. And one way to be globally recognized, globally competitive is, of course, to take the certification that will be globally recognized. Because for the uh, licensure exam here in the Philippines, of course, it's only limited here in the Philippines. In contrast, where when I will be taking, if I took the the ASCP, uh, majority it is a globally renowned uh, institution. It's a globally renowned certification, and that's one step towards my goal in becoming globally competitive and globally recognized medical uh, professional. Uh, yeah, medical laboratory professional.
0: Okay, I see. So then with yeah. the uh, you've got the New York State certification as well. Is that mm-hmm. the same kind of thing?
1: Yeah, for the New York uh, certification, because I am currently working up on my application in New York uh, because one of the hospitals uh, in New York hired me. And, uh, of course, in order for me to practice uh, medical technology in New York, I needed their certification or their uh okay. license as well in order to practice. So yeah, that uh I again I took that uh I took that uh New York certification. I think it was just last year before the pandemic. Fortunately, I took that one before the pandemic even started. And it uh I would consider New York different uh to be different with that of ASCP because for New York it's uh, only limited in the state of New York and I needed to take up additional courses in order for me to get hold of that uh, New York certification.
0: Okay, now you said you're you're you've got you've been hired by a hospital in New York. Wait, yeah. Will you be actually working here in the in the US in New York or is that kind of a somehow a remote thing? How does that work?
1: Yeah, uh, I will be moving to New York. Um, actually, I've been waiting for my visa since December, but because of the pandemic, things were in a slower pace now. And because of the ongoing lockdown here in my country and in the different borders, that's why it it, it um it's uh, quite challenging to get hold of an interview at the embassy. But uh, I hopefully, fingers crossed. I will mm-hmm. be moving to New York uh, within the year.
0: Oh, wow. Okay, that's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Uh, you know, one more thing I thought of about the, the ASCPI mm-hmm. yeah. uh, certification. You said, you know, you to be globally competitive. Is this something that you kind of encourage your students to do as well to, to for, for that same reason, to be kind of globally competitive?
1: Yes. Uh, uh, I always encourage my students to be globally competitive and not to be limited with their abilities. Actually, that's a motto, that's a principle that I get hold to every day, every time I go to work. I always, uh, actually, uh, back when I was still in college, that was already my dream. I told myself that if I will be graduating and if I will be a successful uh, medical technologist, I want to be the best. I want to be the best in terms of the medical laboratory practice. That's the goal that I've always been um, uh, getting hold to, uh, to be the best of what I can do, uh, to be the best of the profession. And that's why I'm very active in terms of being a part of different organizations. I am mm-hmm. very active in terms of uh, getting into seminars to to learn a lot of things. Yeah, because uh, again, I want to to be very competitive uh, in terms of my career as a medical technologist. That's why I do not usually uh, limit myself into the comfort, into my comfort zone.
0: Right, right. Okay. Yeah, that's important. And you're also very, um, you know, you're out actively promoting the field on on social media, especially on, on Facebook and Instagram. So mm-hmm. I, I can, I'd like to talk about these two like it, the Facebook page for instance when when did you start this and what, what what was it you were trying to accomplish with that
1: Yeah actually my 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 fan page on Facebook if I'm not mistaken that was established around 2018 back then I was uh, very active in promoting well until now but uh, before in 2018 I was literally moving from one place to another, all throughout the country, I was an, uh, an in, I was a national lecturer back then I was a national lecturer. When you say national lecturer, you are teaching students all throughout the country in in preparation for their uh, uh, licensure examination. Uh, so yeah, I was a national lecturer back then in two thousand and eighteen, actually until now, but I am not that active anymore because of the pandemic. And so uh, I realized that um, why not, instead of simply teaching medical technology to my students, why not try to introduce medical technologies, medical technology profession in different uh, parts of life or in different walks of life? So I, I thought of uh, creating that Facebook page in order to introduce. Medical technology profession in every person that who is in social media unfortunately i I have almost uh ten thousand uh, followers already in my facebook page and uh, of oh, course wow. i'm very happy yeah i'm yeah. very happy i did not <laughs> i I did not know that uh, it will um, gain uh, so much attention and and uh, there are some people. So there, i i even receive uh, some messages overseas from egypt from the middle east uh, thinking that uh, thank you sir for sh- for sharing this thank you sir for like this and like that so yeah uh, it makes me happy as well that um uh, i get to touch the life of other people remotely no in a remote situation yeah mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's great that you can have that that sort of uh influence. You're you're able to inspire people from other countries just through Facebook. Uh, that, that's that's really great. I, I was going to ask you if you've had, you know, people that have that you think have kind of entered the field because of sort of the information that you're providing. Have you have you had stories like that?
1: Yes, yes, actually. Actually, there was a very recent uh there was uh, this uh, one recent uh Mother, There was this one recent mother who had a son in high school and she contacted me personally because uh, she was thanking me because uh, my page actually was an instrument for her son to get in the field of medical technology. And so I was very happy and very Mm -hmm. um, uh, flattered that I didn't realize that... uh, I, it created so much impact, and that inspires me to create more content uh, yes. in my Facebook account in my Facebook fan page.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and is it kind of the similar thing with with your Instagram page? It, it, it seems like that's a little bit more, more recent.
1: Yeah, in my Instagram, that's uh, that's uh, more recent. Uh, And uh, for my Instagram account, I upload their pictures that are related to medical technology, actually. So that's the main uh, concentration. For my fan page on Facebook, I usually upload there some fun facts, trivia, updates on medical technology. Well, for my Instagram, it's more on the uh, photographic uh, spectrum. I would say of medical technology, I upload there some sales, some photographs with respect to medical technology
0: yeah okay okay yeah i'm going to uh, in the show notes for this episode i'll i'll mm-hmm. include links to both the facebook page and the instagram yeah. page yeah Thank i you. think yeah there'll be those there there's great information on both of them and i think they're you know like we said they're, they're inspirational and hopefully uh there maybe there's other people out there that might be inspired by them as well yeah 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 okay all right so Ole Brian, this has been a really interesting conversation. I really appreciate uh, you kind of sharing your stories from, from your country. And uh, it, it was great to talk to you. Thank you, thank you very much.
1: Well, uh, thank you, Dennis, for giving me an opportunity for creating an avenue for me to share the things that we do. And we were able to at least compare no? uh, yeah. the setup here in the Philippines uh, with that of in the U.S. And I've learned also a lot of things from you in this uh, short conversation so thank yeah. you dennis and uh, also thank you for your televiewers and uh or to, uh, for your uh, v- uh listeners uh, listeners right. uh, in wherever parts of the world they are
0: great big thanks to Oli brian maliari now next week on the podcast i'll be speaking with dr stephanie stallis uh, we'll be talking quite a bit about transfusion medicine and some of the regulatory aspects of lab medicine here's a quick preview and then I'll be back with some final thoughts on this episode. Yeah. Like for a lot of people, you know, there's a, there's a lecture maybe, and you know, the, the, the person that was giving the lecture, probably a pathologist was very inspiring or for other people, maybe they uh, happened to go to an interest group or something like that. And were exposed to it that way.
2: Yeah. Okay. So, um, it's good that you brought up a little bit of my educational history prior to now, because, As we talked about, I was in cellular and molecular biology Uh and in molecular pharmacology prior to actually entering medical school. And those left imprints on me of really enjoying the inner machinery of the cell, so to speak, uh, in genetics, molecular, things like that. And I did very well in my step three, which at the time had a lot of molecular medicine in it at the time. And I thought, huh. So I mean I did all that molecular studies and I did well on that and I kind of was thinking what branch of medicine is going to allow me to um, use you know that training cellular molecular and uh, and it seemed obvious that it would be the diagnostics world and so that's that's what I went into. I, I kind of used that as a gauge to okay, what should what you know what branch of Medicine and I picked pathology.
0: So, like I said at the beginning, Oli Bryan is a great example of always being willing to learn new things and taking advantage of opportunities when they are presented to you because you never know. Sometime in the future, those experiences and those new skills that you learned might come in handy. As always, I'll have links in the show notes to everything we talked about today. Oh, something else I wanted to mention this past week, I was the guest on the LabVine podcast. You might remember the host of LabVine, Dr. Brian Jackson, was the guest on this podcast in episode 62. So it was nice to talk with him again. And we had another really interesting conversation. So I'll link that in the show notes as well. You can follow this show on Twitter at People of Path or connect with me on LinkedIn, or you can just go to peopleofpathology.com and all the links are there. Thank you for continuing to share the show with others, and together, let's inspire the next generation of pathologists and laboratory professionals. This show is a member of Health Podcast Network, which connects listeners with conversations and stories about health, care, and well-being, and you can find a link in the show notes to Health Podcast Network if you'd like to check out some of their other interesting podcasts. Thank you very much for listening, and I will talk to you next time on the People of Pathology podcast.